Welcome to the gospel meeting that we're in the process. We started today. And uh, we're so thankful for the elders who had made this possible and all the preparation that they have done. And I want to thank them for giving me the opportunity to present this ancient plan of salvation, uh, something that we can all use We can in our teaching, something that we can use ourselves and our growth. And uh, we should never, ever forget, as Bill points out so many times, uh, Blades, the fundamentals. The fundamentals is what guides us and what we build upon. And that's what we are uh, trying to accomplish today. Also, if you are visiting with us, we're so thankful for your presence and your interest in uh, the plan of salvation, your interest in uh, uh, further Bible study. Uh, we're so thankful that you have come our way and we appreciate it uh, very much. So we're going to review just a little bit before we get into the lesson this morning. Of course, this is a plan of salvation. Jerry McDonald put the, uh, uh, the uh, slides together, put them on slides, had a lot of it done. A lot of it done was by several men just uh, having input uh, into what should go next. And there is the systematic Bible study using logical progression. God expects us to use our logic, to use our reason. Uh, there are things that we can't understand unless we build a, a foundation upon it. And we uh, touched uh, on that this morning. Uh, what we want to do is, is uh, really is the best thing to do if you haven't heard this before, or even if you have, and those that you study with, is that you put all the other things outside of your mind. Just focus on what there is here. And uh, I tell you, it really helped me when I was studying the Word of God. And because I came to a point where, look, I, I don't know. I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't think that. But I looked at what was presented, and then I saw it. And when you see it, then what I believed was wrong. And that's uh, uh, what we should all, all do. And so it takes a, a good and honest heart to be able to accept and uh, to study everything. And we encourage you to search the scriptures daily to see whether these things are so. And that's, uh, that's our plea. And our only plea, as we're going to proceed through this lesson, is for everybody to get back to the Bible. Because what happened uh, uh, after the falling away was that there were a lot of churches started popping up. And then what do we do? How do we find the church that we read about in the Bible? Or is it even important that we do that? And uh, that's what we'll be uh, discussing uh, in further lessons in this meeting. So like I said, it was divided into four sections. And the first section is Bible authority. The section we're going to be on in a few moments is, uh, is uh, restoring our fellowship with God and his people. And that would then include the church. And so we're going to look at what are uh, the church, what, what helps us to understand the church uh, better. And uh, we'll look at that uh, this morning as well. And uh, this morning we said God has all authority. He created the law. We, we don't have a right to question God, to change his plan and say, well, look, I don't like that part, and I'll forget that part. Uh, God has all authority. It's his plan and his way, 
and we'll see that we don't want uh, to disturb anything that he has done. The evidence of God is seen in his creation. You look at his creation, you look at the intelligence and morality, consciousness and all the reasoning, uh, ability, the rationality in life. He's only put that in man as he created man in his image. Um, the, the idea of inherent authority uh, is uh, what God has. He delegated and gave all authority to Jesus Christ. Notice that Jesus said that he had all authority in heaven and on earth. And so after his resurrection, then that authority was delegated to the apostles. And the apostles then wrote the Bible. This is what we looked at this morning. And we can understand the word of God that uh, they wrote. And the power of salvation is found, uh, we read that in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. But how could mere men write the Bible, write the mind of God, and be accurate, and be right? Well, they needed help, just like uh, anyone would, uh, is that the Holy Spirit then helped them, guided them, guarded them, guided them into all the truth. How much truth is there that, that, they, uh, that we need today? We don't need any. We have it all in the Word of God. All the truth. That means later revelations and people saying that they have a revelation from God and teaching this and that. Well, we already have all the truth. So it either has to be the same of what we read about in the Bible or it's false. If it's not in the Word of God, it comes from that human man. And of course, we read that it's not by human interpretation, their own interpretation, and human wisdom, uh, intellect, or any of that. Uh, so how do they do it? They, they, they guided. The men were moved. They were uh, being uh, directed by the Holy Spirit what to write. They guarded what was written. They combined the spiritual thoughts and spiritual words, uh, the thoughts in the mind of God, into words. So word by word by word was then given to the apostles by the Holy Spirit what to write down. And God prohibits then us from adding or subtracting uh, from the, the revelation. We can't add. We can't subtract from it. Uh, we can't change it in any way. Uh, we looked in uh, uh, this. So there's God's prohibits. He stops us from doing any of that. Uh, then this is where we left off. Now is uh, the faith that was once for it delivered. Faith and the gospel is used interchangeably in uh, Galatians chapter 1 verse 11 and also verse 23. Uh, Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of uh, Christ. And so every good work then is, uh, is, is uh, given in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17. One other passage that I wanted to look at in this section is in Hebrews chapter 1. And uh, here that God spoke in different ways, but we'll see that he speaks to us in his son only. In Hebrews chapter 1 and beginning in verse 1 and 2. Um, it says, After God spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions in many ways, so he spoke then directly to the people uh, to in the garden to the patriarchs. Then he spoke then uh, the the through the prophets. Uh, the first prophet, of course, was Moses. He delivered, gave the law. 
God spoke through Moses and and spoke through the prophets. And now, what does it say in verse 2? In these last days he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also he made the world. So this is the last days. There's not going to be any other later revelations or latter-day revelations. Jesus is the final spokesman of God's word. And what did he do? Some of the things that he couldn't talk to the apostles about, he told them later, going to bring to their remembrance by the Holy Spirit. And this he did. And so now God, uh, and through Jesus Christ, and Jesus then interpreting, uh, uh, to given to the apostles, as they were guided by the Holy Spirit, the inspired word that we have. And when we read it, we can under understand it. Um, all, all things are to life and godliness. Uh, uh, First Peter, I don't know what happened to the slide, but there. Let's look at Second uh, Peter, chapter uh, 1. And it kind of shows uh, how important the Word of God is to us. And beginning in verse 3, seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through whom the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. For by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them they may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by left by lust. In other words, it gave us everything we need for our spiritual life, uh, for serving God, and this is what we have in the Word of God. In 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 1, if any man speak, let him speak as the utterances of God. So the utterance or the Word of God is going to give us everything we need. And uh, that brings us back to 2 uh, Timothy uh, chapter 3. Uh, in verse 16 and it says uh, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate equipped into every good work so if we want to know what a good work is we look in the word of God every good work if we start doing works it really uh, is of the spiritual nature in some way of the church and this and that and it's not found in the word of God that's not a good work it's inspired of God God word for word delivered to the apostles through the Holy Spirit that what we need to know and so it gives us everything we need for life and so if we say well I need more no he's given us everything to me what I did I must have missed what he wants to give me and so if we Look at everything that he wants to give us. We'll find it. Everything that pertains to life and godliness. Um, what happened to uh, John chapter 12, 12 and verse 48. I don't know what happened to the slide, but it might have been with the black slide <laughs> that we uh, put in. Uh, John twelve forty eight. God's word will judge us in uh, John twelve forty eight. He says, he who rejects me and does not receive my saints has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him in the last day. 
So if we're going to be judged by God, isn't it important to understand what God wants us to know? He's going to judge us. And, uh, and he's going to judge us. Uh, we must all stand before uh, the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to give an account of everything we've done in our body, whether good or bad. That's 2, Timothy, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. Um, we want to, in verse Ephesians 5, 17, it says, Understand what the will of the Lord is. We need to understand it. God is going to be our judge. He is the one that really has uh, all authority. And uh, this is a, another slide, what some people accept as authority. This is where people go wrong. Instead of accepting the authority that we just read about, that was given, that we can understand, that the apostles gave, uh, guided all the truth, and we have it all there, as everything we need for every good work, all, uh, everything we've said so far. And yet, this is what a lot of people uh, use as their uh, authority. And I'll have the slides for all this, so it would be all, all there. We won't look at all of these at this time. Uh, we'll just look at four or five of them, because that uh, definitely affects uh, most uh, of the people. In um, intimidation, well, that's one. Uh, intimidation, Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1 talks about uh, by the gentleness and the meekness of Christ. That's what Paul said he used when he was uh, teaching. He's dealing with some false teachers. That's the context of that thing. But he used the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. Christ doesn't use intimidation for going through. Notice uh, we can see what intimidation is like when we go to uh, Galatians. Uh, we're, uh, many of us are familiar with that passage of Scripture where Paul is uh, uh, condemning uh, or uh, reproving the uh, uh, Peter to his face in uh, chapter 2 and verse 11. It says, but when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to the coming of certain men from James that uh, used to eat meat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he began to withdraw and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of the circumcision. So what we have as a picture of is that there were Jews and Gentiles, and Peter was associating with some Jew with some Gentiles. And the Jews come walking in, and Peter, because he is fearing the circumcision, the Jews, that he withdrew himself. And Paul is uh, rebuking him to his face. And then in verse 13, and the rest of the Jews joined him in the hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas, and Barnabas was a, a great man, a sign of encouragement, was carried away by their hypocrisy. But the idea is that people then were fearing. And so they used intimidation to try to get people to withdraw. That's what was going to happen to Peter by the, by the uh, circumcising uh, Jews. Um, in uh, 3 John 9, uh, doesn't say he was an elder, but he may have been. Diotrephes, we'll... Uh, Know that? Let's see, Third John. In verse 9, it says, I wrote something to the church, but Diophorus, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. 
For this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does unjustly, accusing us with wicked words, not uh, satisfied with this, he himself does not receive the brethren, either, uh, either, and he forbids those who desire to do so and puts them out of the church. Boy, there's a bunch of fear going on here. And it's unjustly. And it was, uh, you know, trying to um, uh, take away the influence of the apostles. And yet, he was using this intimidation. So, we don't use intimidation. Now, everybody has the free will choice to accept or reject. That's what God gives us. So, we have to really uh, recognize what God has chosen to do. Uh, let people to believe or not believe. And we do the same thing. And all we do is just try is be a messenger and show people the word of God and what it says. And everybody has a right to make up their own mind. And so the whole sense of the gospel from beginning to end is voluntary. There's nothing that anyone is forced to do anything. You might be encouraged to do something. But you have the final rights. No, I, I don't want to do that. Or I'm not ready for that or whatever. And uh, so, so that's voluntary. And so we don't start out forcing somebody to do something. Then they're forced to do something the rest of their life. And how long are you going to stick around doing that? Not very long. And so people don't like intimidation. And don't like uh, that kind of, of approach. And so uh, the power of God is there to save. Now let's look at some other ones. Uh, let's look at majority. Uh, Exodus chapter uh, 23 in verse 2 uh, is a good passage. That's the only one we'll look at there. Uh, 23 in verse 2. You shall not follow the masses in doing evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after a multitude in order to prevent justice. Um, you know, just think if you had to follow the majority. Some countries don't believe that Jesus is the Christ. You move to that country, and so it must be right to not believe in Jesus Christ if you follow the majority. You see how that doesn't work very well? And so you may not be in the majority, but you might be right. If you believe in Jesus Christ and you're in a country with people that don't believe in Jesus Christ, you're still right. And so the majority is wrong in that case. And so... We don't really want to follow the, the majority. Uh, the idea of parents, uh, he that loves father or mother more than me, is not worthy of me. Uh, and so a lot of people will use their parents as their source of authority. Well, my parents didn't do that, and so I'm not going to do that. Who's the authority? Parents or God? Who would you love most? Parents or God? And so... Our parents are not going to be on the day of judgment with us. We're going to stand alone with the word of God and God. That's what we're going to be judged by and how we're going to be judged. And so, you know, uh, parents, you know, every, I mean, everybody has relatives and so forth that um, have died, gone, been lost. That's too bad. All I know is that God is a just God. And when I go to heaven, I won't have any memory, no sadness, or nothing at all. Sadness here on earth, perhaps. But that sadness goes away when you understand that God is totally just. 
He can do whatever he wants. And I comply with that. And so if people don't comply with it, it's kind of like, okay, there's an airplane leaving every day, and there's going to a destination, and they're going to safety. Well, I just don't want to get on the plane. Well, okay, stay here and drown. You know, that, that's the, the kind of thing that, that we do. So we go be saved with God or be lost. And uh, so it comes down to that. Uh, conscience. Uh, here's uh, another real good one about conscience. Um, and um, let's see. Acts 23 and verse 1. This is the apostle uh, Paul. He persecuted Christians. And uh, he, he said that... Uh, he lived in all good conscience until this day. That's in Acts 23 in verse 1. And he says, I've lived my life with perfectly good conscience before God up to this day. Well, what day is that? Well, when he found out he was persecuting Christians. And notice what he says in chapter 26 in verse 9. He says, So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. So we can't live a life by conscience. And then another one is feelings. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 25. Um, you, you can't like feelings uh, alone. You can't live by feelings. And, uh, uh, and so you, 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 there's, there's nothing left. Um, this uh, uh, feeling. How many times have we been wrong by, with our feelings? <laughs> I've been wrong a lot of times. Have you ever uh, tried to make a trip without following a map or consulting with Google maybe Google's wrong <laughs> and so you your feelings you can't go by your feelings your feelings have been wrong what do we have the word of God God tell shows us what we are to do and what we are to believe so it is not in man to direct his own steps as uh, Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 5 tells us Proverbs 16 verse 25 is about the same we're not going to go into the rest of those, but they are there. And uh, so anyone you want, it, it gets off into wisdom, lawlessness, situation ethics, uh, preachers. People follow preachers, whatever the preacher says. Well, and then sometimes it's good to challenge that. Ask your preacher this question or that question. See what they say. Human creeds. There's all kinds of creed books. And so now uh, God has all authority. Now we're starting uh, the second section. And uh, here is where sin separates man from God. So we need to restore fellowship back with God. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 2 says, Your iniquities have separated uh, you from your sins and hidden his face uh, from you. Uh, And so that's from mankind. Here uh, is, uh, all, uh, is where all have sinned in the New Testament now. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. Uh, but the free gift of uh, is eternal life. First uh, Peter 5, uh, 8 says that, that Satan uh, is like a roaring lion seeking whom uh, one, someone to devour. And so he's like a roaring lion. is a picture of that big 
lion. And a lion, of course, when he goes a big roar, he freezes his prey. And uh, so this is what uh, he wants to do. He scares you to death. And uh, so he, he can do that spiritually. Let's look in Genesis chapter 4, and verse 6 and 7. See the example of Cain and Abel here. Um, verse 6, uh, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And of course his sacrifice, Cain's was rejected and, and Abel's was accepted. And so here's Cain. He said, uh, why, why uh, are you angry? Why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? Now, like Frank, Frank, uh, he always picks, look, what does the footnote say for your countenance? It says, uh, surely you will be accepted. So when you have a good countenance, you will be accepted. And uh, so that's the, the alternate reading. Uh, and then, and if you do not do well, sin is crouching out the door like a roaring lion. Seeking to make devour. He's got every single one of us. Every single one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so it was as a roaring lion. What do we do? Don't walk through that door. That's what he did. Sin is crouching at the door. What's on the other side of the door? Uh, whatever sin that is, there's Satan right there. He says, open the door. Come in. And uh, that's where... It, uh, what he wants us to do. Well, he's all God, every one of us. God, every human being except Jesus Christ. And so now, what do we do about that? Well, we have fellowship with God. It's only possible through Jesus Christ. John chapter 10 and verse 9 says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. John chapter 10 and verse 9. And so there is the idea that uh, only through Jesus Christ can we be. He's the one that did, was the resurrection. He is the door. John 14, 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me or through me. It's only one way. And he's the life. He's the truth. He gave the apostles all the truth that uh, to be a Acts chapter 4 and verse 11, there is, uh, verse 12, there is uh, salvation and no one else, for no other name uh, is given among uh, men uh, whereby we must be saved. So, it's only name, Jesus Christ. First uh, John chapter 1, you see how the blood of Christ is brought into the conversation. First John 1 and verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We've all sinned. They're not mistakes. They're sins. Yes, sins are big mistakes. But sin is what separates us from God. 
And what brings us back to God is His blood. The blood that cleanses us from our sin. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 3 and 4, it says, Let every man be found a liar. But God, of course, is the truth. So every man has lied. We have rejected the word of God. We have spoke contrary to what the word of God said. And uh, anytime we even do that after we become Christians, that we are a liar if it is not in harmony with what God has said. So God's very, very serious about it. He wants us to stop, uh, not to change his word in any way. And uh, now he's trying to show us his way of what we can do to be right with him. Okay, now in uh, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Uh, For blessed be the God and our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The heavenly places would be the spiritual realm. So if everything that we read about in Peter, the life and godliness, is provided. And now it's in Christ. All spiritual blessings are found in Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2. In verse uh, 10, it says here that uh, uh, for this reason I endure all things for the sake of those who are chosen so that they also may obtain the salvation which is, where? In Christ. Jesus and with it eternal glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse uh, 17 uh, tells us about those in Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So, when we consider the alternative of being in Christ, what's outside of Christ? There's no spiritual blessing. All spiritual blessings are found in Christ. Where salvation is. Where you become a new man in Christ. Matthew 5.45 tells us that he brings the rain and the sun and so forth in 5.44 and 45. And you love your enemies. He brings that on the just and the unjust alike. Those are physical blessings. God blesses everyone physically. But spiritual blessings are only found in Christ. And what does that mean to be in Christ? It's a relationship. It's a relationship to be in Christ. Now, about 99% of the religious world does not know what it means to be in Christ. They don't even know how to get in Christ. We're going to look at at that in a moment. But let's give an example. Uh, Let's say... um, Okay, the more you know about a person, whatever relationships they are in, the more you know about that person. So take for myself. Okay, I'm a husband. What does that mean? That means I have a relationship with with children, my sons and daughters. I have a relationship. Okay, but that's all you know? I'm just a husband. No, okay. I, 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 I'm a husband. I have a wife. I have a relationship with a wife. I don't know. Did I get it mixed up? Probably did. 
relationship, husband, wife is first. So husband's got to be first, right? So I have a relationship with my wife. But then now I'm a father. I have a relationship with my children. Now that's a little bit more. Well, I'm a Christian. Oh, now you know more. Now you, uh, what else am I? I'm a U.S. citizen. How about that? That's four. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm a preacher or sometimes a preacher. I have been a preacher. So there more you know, uh, more description you have of a person, the more you know about, about them. Same thing with Christ. The more you know of what other things describe Christ, the more you know of that relationship and of Christ. And that's uh, what we're going to look at uh, now. Okay, so it, being in Christ is the same as being in his body. Notice in Romans chapter 12 and verse 5. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we, uh, we are the body of Christ. We are in Christ. To be in Christ is the same as being in the body. If you uh, get a splinter uh, in your body, uh, you get a splinter in you. In you. So the same thing with Christ. Uh, if you're in Christ, you're in his body. You can't be in one without being in the other. We'll see how important that is later on. In Ephesians chapter uh, 1, in verse 22, we see what, what else uh, the body is called. In verse 22, tw- uh, 23. And he put all things of objection under his feet, and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we see uh, the, the, you, you, to be in Christ, you're being in his body, you're being in the church. First Timothy chapter uh, 3, verse 15. It says, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. So now then, we, see, we saw that the body, the church, and in Christ are the same. Now what's household called? It's called the church. So they're all the same. You can't be in one without being in the other. You can't separate it. Uh, you can't separate uh, Christ and his church because he's the head of it. Uh, he shed his blood uh, for the church. We're going to look at that in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. It says, Be on guard for yourselves. And for all the flock among whom, uh, which the Holy Spirit had made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. What did he purchase with his blood? The church. Now, let's go to Revelation. We'll see another part of this, what describes the church. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And they sing a new song, and worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain, and purchased for God with your blood, and say the church here, it says, men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you made them to be a kingdom of priests to God, and they will reign upon the earth. So here are two things here we find. We find that the church are what? Blood-bought people. They are called out of the world. They are placed into Christ. And uh, they're blood-bought people. And so uh, they're all the same. So to be in one is to be in all. 
And they're all there. A lot of people make a distinction between the body and the church. Uh, and you can't make that distinction because we've read scriptures where they're all used interchangeably. So the more we know about what it means to be in Christ is, it's the body, it's the church, it's the family, it's the kingdom, it's the, uh, the house of God. And so there, so what does that mean? Well, that means that uh, the relationships we have and where all spiritual blessings are in Christ. Remember Paul's, uh, uh, Jesus said to Paul, uh, why, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who was he persecuting? He was persecuting Christians. He was persecuting people. And so now then these people are in the church. And what's their relationship to the world? Well, they came out of the world. The church means that to see They're called out of. Though they're called out of the world. And so they uh, came out of the world. That's the, what they are to the world. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 in verse 14. And it is for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're called. We're called out of the world and in, placed into his church. What is our relationship as being in the body to each other? Well, we won't read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 25. We see the hand and the foot and, and the ear and the eye and all of those things are parts of the body. And then there are lesser parts, but yet you show them honor. And so there are, are all kinds of people that make up the church. And what we're describing then are imperfect people. You mean the church isn't perfect? Well, the universal church is perfect. That's where all the saved are. But the local church is made up of people. And there are all kinds of things. And we have all kinds of abilities we use. And we all sin. And so here is the the relationship is being in the body to one another. We work with one another as being in the body of Christ. And we show our love to the world. uh, We show our love to each other then the world will know that God sent His Son. The world will know that uh, there's something different about these people. That's a big thing for us. Um, authority. The kingdom to authority. We're, uh, every king has its subjects, and they're subject to his authority. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. It says, He had rescued us from the domain of darkness, and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so here we have uh, the authority uh, by being in the kingdom of what we are to be subject to as his kingdom, as his rule. Uh, We're under his rule. The household or family, uh, the relationship we have to God Shows that we're heirs. Uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 15. It says for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry Abba Father. There's a relationship that we have being in Christ. We can cry Abba Father to uh, in that relationship. The importance of being in Christ is because uh, being in the church is that the church is blood-bought. If you want to be saved, you got to be in the church. 
Well, but Christ is the important thing. Yes, but you can't separate Christ and his church. Christ is the head of his church. You separate the head and say, well, I'm going to follow Christ and forget about the church. No, you can't separate because he purchased the church with his blood. Uh, the body, you you got to be in the body because that's where the saved are. Notice in Ephesians 5.23. So if you got to be in all of these because they're all the same relation. They're all the same. Just different relationships. Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, verse 23. It says, uh, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body what's he going to save he's going to save those in the body who's in the body those in the church what would happen to church church was blood bought okay where's every spiritual blessing in christ which is the church the body and the house of god uh that's where we are called heirs of god in galatians chapter 4 and verse 7 uh the kingdom is going to be delivered up 1 Corinthians 15 and verse uh, 24. It says, uh, verse 23, let's catch that. But each in his own order. Christ is the first fruits. After that, those who are Christ at his coming. Then, after his coming, comes the end when he hands over or delivers up the kingdom to the God and Father who, when he has abolished all rule, all authority and power. The kingdom is here. The kingdom it was used as being in the future, being near, 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 near. And by the time of Colossians 60 AD, it's come. It's come before that. But he's making a point that uh, uh, the kingdom has come. Now the kingdom will be delivered up. At the end of time, when Christ comes, those in the church, those in the kingdom, those in the body, those who are alive, those who are uh, passed away, that were in all those rela- in that relationship, then are of the saved, the universal church, which we are also be part of when the end comes. We won't be in a local church. We'll all be together in the heaven. Um, okay, so how does one get into Christ? Now, here is where we need to ask ourselves. Will we accept the answer that the Bible gives? The, Bi- the people give all kinds of answers to this question. How do we get into Christ where every spiritual blessing is? What does the Bible uh, say? And so here uh, is where, you know, all different answers. But without this relationship, we don't listen to what he says, then we can't be, uh, we won't have other spiritual blessings. So will we accept the answer to this vital question? This is where... I kind of get a commitment. Will you accept the answer to this question? You understand? And then if they say, well, I don't know about being in Christ. What's that all? Well, I just showed you. You can go back and show it all over again. But that's what it is. So let's uh, move on. And here are three passages of scriptures. I'm not sure if you could read that, but uh, we're going to just read from that at, at this time. And it says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 3. All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. And that's what we read over here as well. In Christ, outside of Christ, is darkness. Um, There's no spiritual blessings there. 
And so what does he say? We're baptized into Christ. We're going to look at that passage again later. Not, not tonight or today, probably. First uh, Corinthians twelve thirteen, where we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. So there's the you're baptized in the Christ, one body. Uh, the body is in Christ. Galatians chapter three verse twenty six. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. That's how we get into Christ. We are baptized into Christ. Without that relationship, without that, what do we come in contact with when we're baptized into Christ? The blood. Christ purchased the church with his blood. Now let's notice uh, what happens after you're baptized. You're added to God, to his universal church, Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. So then those who have received his word were baptized, and that day were added about 3,000 souls. Who adds to the church? The Lord adds. Man doesn't come together and take a vote and say whether you baptized or whatever. They don't do that. Can we accept you as a member? You join our church. No, the Lord takes care of all that. The Lord does the adding when we follow the passages. Uh, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And as you go through the book of Acts, you see a pattern beginning to the form. And uh, that's what they did uh, in order to be in Christ. And so what are we? Yeah, we are his body in Christ, his kingdom, his family. All spiritual blessings are in there. The Lord adds us to that. And so what is the value of the church of Christ, the universal church? In Ephesians chapter 1, this is where we'll close out on this. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. And this is where we get the, the ancient plan of salvation. It says, uh, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. Okay, so when did God make these decisions? Before the foundation of the world. What did he plan before the foundation of the world? That he was going to have Jesus Christ shed his blood and die. That was all before he even created the world. And so this church idea that is just a, an afterthought, it's not an afterthought. It was a very well planned out by God before creation in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9 through 11. We'll read that. It says, And to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages have been hidden in God, who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might be now made known through the church, to the rulers, to the authorities, in the heavenly places or spiritual realm. And so we have the value that he purchased the church with his own blood. He shed it in 33 AD. And this is going to go on until the end of time. And the kingdom, the body, and all that is going to be delivered up to God at the end of time. And so the last slide we're not going to look at. But where are you today right now? And there's a whole lot of scriptures. If you're outside of Christ, this is what we have. We're condemned. We're enemies of God. There's no blessings there. Prayers are ignored. There's scriptures that, that you're deceived, you're confused, passing joy, you're on your own, not ready to die, destruction, 
is where you're headed. Inside of Christ, you have forgiveness. You have peace of God. You have all spiritual blessings. You, your prayers are heard. You're assured uh, of truth. The truth will set you free. You're convinced uh, that nothing can move you away uh, from the love of God in Romans chapter 8. Uh, true and lasting joy, uh, comfort in trials, uh, preparation for death, eternal life. Now these are slides that if you have people hesitating that uh, they can look at. Maybe they, you can send them home with them to study on their own. But that's a question for each of us to ask. And so as we close out at this uh, time, we need to ask ourselves the question. Are we pleasing to God? And the answer to that question is that most people are not pleasing to God. I want to read one last passage in Matthew chapter 7. And it kind of goes along with what we studied in the first lesson of authority. Matthew uh, chapter 7 and verse uh, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Now God is making a promise. He's making a condition. So it doesn't matter who I have in mind. They're not in Christ. They're lost. And so, whoever does the will will enter. Many will say to me, many will say to me on that day, that is the day of judgment. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles verse 23 then I will declare to them I never knew you depart from me you who practice lawlessness lawlessness another word is without law it's iniquity without authority many now this is serious business this isn't a joke this isn't just an option, uh, something to just cast out the window. This is something that our soul salvation depends upon. And it's good that we look at it, look at it very closely, just like you would your insurance policy. I know insurance policies, I just kind of, uh, that's too small print, I can't, I can't understand, I'm not a lawyer, and the lawyer won't even agree. So, you know, that's, but that's not what this is. This is the plan of God, saying, you know, what can we do to it? You can't add to it. I don't care who you are. I don't care how many of them there are. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. But you have the wrath of God to look forward to. That's how important God takes His plan, His will, all the time and years and effort that He placed into this plan so that we can be saved. And He shed His blood for on the cross so that we can be forgiven for our sins. We can just be so thankful that we have the opportunity, that we are able to comply and to the will of God and then bring honor and glory to his name to the best of our ability. If you need to respond to the gospel invitation, whether by being baptized or perhaps uh, you need help or need prayers of the congregation, we are here to help as we stand and sing the song and select it.